0: And a one, and two,
1: and a three, and a four, and five, and six, and seven,
0: and eight, and nine, and Wait, five. Calvin, Calvin, do you hear that?
1: Nope, I don't hear anything. What are you listening for? You're listening for me to shut the fuck up? Because I can keep talking just because you want me to shut the fuck up doesn't mean I'm going to shut the fuck up. I can just ramble on for the next hour and a half. You know I've got the lung capacity and the lungs to be able to do so. Let's get it! You get the
2: open double voice, son. <laughs> double voice, son. Strike. Man, dude, I almost got screwed over today because of that. <coughs> and i So I think that we're, we got a little KinecterCast connection here. It's tenuous, well, tenuous well adventure.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to Commander Cats, episode 249. Oops. We're your weekly source for community, strategy, and technology, hosted on MDGcast.com and our home site, CommanderCast.com. We're recording this on June 2nd, 2016. I am your host of the show, William. And joining me as always is my political host, Calvin. How are you doing today, sir?
1: Hey everybody, this is Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Redzone around the internet. All right, let's see. What episode is this? 250. See? Two of you, listeners, we ain't doing anything special. This is going to be just another regular-ass episode. Yep, it's going to be me. It's going to be William. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's just the two of us, mostly, because it seems what it ends up boiling down to most of the time. So how are you doing, William?
3: I'm
0: doing all right, but Calvin, you are wrong about many things, and one of them is about how alone we are today. I'm always alone. Oh. Oh. But that's okay, because today we've got Clay back. Yeah, I'm I'm here. Hey, Clay.
1: Yay, we got our panda out of captivity.
0: You missed your group hug episode.
2: I
3: know. I know
0: I did. But did you at least but remember? some things came up. Yeah, some things came <laughs> up. But, hey. I, I've
2: been doing some group hugging, though, and I will definitely talk about it during uh, the Favorite Commander segment.
0: Yep, which we'll get to after we introduce our first guest in what's been a while. Wow. It, wow. Everyone's just been so busy with getting ready for Origins and all that around here. Just, But we do have a guest today, and it is, in fact, Mr. Sean Patchin from General Damage Control. How are you doing today, sir? John? Sean?
4: I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> cool, hey, you know, it's been so long, guess. I forgot how to unmute my microphone.
3: Yep, like, this is in Sean. all
1: honesty, I was, I was actually kind of hoping Sean was like, no, nah, you know what? After hearing this intro, fuck this. I'm out. Just click. You <laughs> just left William sitting here thinking Sean was there the whole time.
4: Good luck, guys. No. But yes, this is Sean from General Dra- Damage Control, Swords to Plow. Um, if you are still reading me, which many of you probably are not, but here I am again. CommanderCast yep. forgot about me, and I'm sure so did the rest of you.
0: Oh, we absolutely did.
4: <laughs> I've never
1: forgotten about you, Sean.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So for those of you who are newer listeners or you haven't really listened to the super, super old stuff, which some of you do listen to the old stuff and get to listen to Andy and the crew, Sean was actually a writer for CommanderCast previously. Yep. And now he writes for another quality website known as General Damage Control. You can go ahead and find him. Uh, Sean, you pretty much source the plow everywhere on the internet, right?
4: That is correct. Now, Sean... Yeah,
1: there was a brief stint in time where Sean was uh, the
0: fourth member of Off-Color Cast, well. Wow.
4: Yeah, the unofficial fourth member. That's when I was uh, trying a lot harder at Commander.
0: I vaguely remember that
4: one, too. Anyway, so,
0: Sean, aside from a project that you're writing about that right now, we'll get to that when we get to our community segment, what are you currently working on when it comes to General Damage Control?
4: Uh, general, damage cro- general Damage Control is pretty open on what they let me write about. Um, so, aside from the project... The most recent thing I've been working on is trying to get people to help themselves with doing deck design and with improving their own decks. So I'm going to have a two-part article coming out in the next month or so where I go over how to break your deck down for when you need to slide in new cards, especially with how many new sets get released every year uh, with the new format. And yeah, uh, hopefully that'll be useful. And then I'll also be going over doing some basic valuations and hopefully helping people really improve their own decks without having to, you know, call internet nobodies and ask them for help.
0: Oh, that actually would be very, very helpful. I was actually just making... I just got to the Mirage segment of the alpha build, and it was a bitch to go through, because I ended up having to cut out, like, 16 cards for 16 new ones. That took a lot longer than I planned it. All right. Um, was there something else? Not quite something we can get to get later Alright guys, so, you know it, you love it It's time for us to go to our favorite commanders this week Starting off with our guest, Sean Do you have a favorite commander this week, and who is it?
4: Well, I guess this week it's General Tazri Mostly uh, because it's my newest commander And as everyone knows, newer is always better Always
0: So, she's actually helping you leave 5-color allies? What's that been like? Or are you playing it as more of a 2- or 3-color deck?
4: Oh, no, absolutely five-color allies. I don't know why you play uh, an ally deck and not try to just shove as many allies in there as possible. It's been a really great deck. It's very aggressive. I've described it as a bad slivers deck, and I used that description for a little while. Uh, but honestly, the deck's been performing too well to keep insulting it like that. It's got its own little feel to it. Um, it's almost like a combination of a slivers and blink deck that really just wants to keep swinging in at people. With Tazri as the commander, being able to bring any of the allies in... Uh, you know, it's just good and that overrun effect is not something to be ignored.
0: See, I wish you
1: say that Genrotazere brings all the boys to the yard.
0: Now see, I wish Mark was here for this. Mark, if you're listening to this, this is why we need you here. We need you back, man. Alright then. So Clay, favorite commander this week.
2: Well, I decided to rebuild Feldegriff, um, which I had built as Group Hug a couple years ago, but I decided to put it back together with Group Hug elements. Um and a few not-so-group-huggy things, um, most notably Ward of Bones and Suppression Field, and Damping Matrix. A few little, uh, chill-the-fuck-out sort of effects. However, I had a very, very sweet game last week. Um, it was myself, playing feldegriff um, I forgot who the person sitting uh, to my right was playing, it didn't really matter in the end, but... Um, Hayes was playing his um, new Archangel Abyssin deck, and then there was a Niv-Mizzet the Firemind deck at the table. So what ended up happening was I was enabling people to draw a shit, shit ton of cards using stuff like Temple Salala with niv And the Niv-Mizzet player decided to just keep on pinging the person sitting to my right, or to my left. Yeah, Niv-Mizzet was to my right. So I was like, well, I'm going to keep him alive. At like two life, just every time there were enough triggers on the stack to kill him, I would just bump him up by two using Feldergriff. And then it came around to my turn, and I was like, "Well, you're at two life. We're gonna activate Feldergriff to give you two more life and give Feldergriff flying, and then Feldergriff is gonna kill you." The hippo got feisty and took someone down. Huh. Yeah.
0: I mean, people kind it's of underst- amb- People underestimate just how hungry those hippos get.
3: I
2: know. Uh, but the best part about that game, though was after the Niv-Mizzet player and the other player were eliminated, Hayes and I just had this battle where I was trying to fend off all of his damage while also trying to find my own win condition, um, which caused many things to happen, the most hilarious of which was um, he, I had my Azer's Elocutors with Glacial Chasm on the board um, to try and stall out enough turns to just win off of the Elocutors. But he played an Earthquake effect for, like, six damage. And so, in response to it, I tried to use Reigns of Power to take his board, because he had a Boros Reckoner, so I could shoot him with it. But, he used Dualcaster Mage. Or no, what did he do in response to that? He did something else. And it caused me to try to, at instant speed, because I had Alchemist's Refuge, um, cast... An eternal witness to get back a right of replication to right of replication kicked on his boros reckoner to try and make a bunch of boros reckoners so that his earthquake would kill him or no he dual castered to copy the earthquake effect that's what it was um and then he reiterated my right of replication to copy his dual caster agent infinite number of times um Everything was weird, man. It was great. The game finally ended when I had to get rid of my glacial chasm, and he used, um, what is it? The uh, the one that can have split second? Huh. Molten Disaster? Was that it? Molten disaster. molten disaster. Yeah, Molten Disaster for enough to kill both of us. Kicked so it had split second, so I couldn't do anything about it. Huh. So the game ended in a draw, and it was amazing. That
0: okay, then. <laughs> Hippos and lava.
2: <laughs> Hippos and lava.
0: Hippos and lava. I feel like that's actually the Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah,
2: and it was great.
0: All right then. It was absolutely great. Calvin, who's your favorite commander this week?
1: Uh, you know what? Favorite commander for the week, I'll just go with uh, Iros, the god of lift. No particular reason why. Just because I didn't want to say Ashley in, this in a row. You know, Ashley is my favorite commander of all weeks.
0: Well, my favorite commander this week is gonna be Rashida Scalebane. Why? Why would I go with Rashida Scalebane?
1: Because she kicked her ass in her game?
0: Nope. I'm actually just... There we go. Rashida Scalebane, for those who probably don't know, she's a rare from Mirage. She's 5 mana, she's a 3-4, human soldier, Destroy target attacking or... She can tap, Destroy target attacking or blocking dragon. It can't be regenerated. You gain life equal to its power. Super narrow.
3: Alright, then.
0: Good in that narrow corner case, but honestly, I fought and scrapped... To get this card into the alpha build when I, been, when I was making the mirage updates, just because, holy jeez, it's a nut. It's finally, finally, a legendary creature that I can play in the deck besides Avacyn. I just want to try out different legendary creatures, and once you know it, the ones from Homelands, Ice Age, stuff like that, don't exist on Moto. They just don't.
1: You don't say.
0: I do say. Now, I could have also put Zubiri the Golden Feather in there, but it's just a new fire for five. that's an Anthem Griffins. We don't play in this deck. But Scalebang, that is just good enough to actually make it okay. And you know what? She is a very narrow iteration with Steel Hellkite. I can't... Avsen can't protect things from that damn dragon because it's colorless. But Scalebang can. So I'm going to throw her in there, try her out for a bit, and see if we can snipe some dragons with it.
3: All right. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Alright guys, so if you want to go ahead, you want to join in any of these conversations today, you can go ahead hit us up on the Twitters, on the Facebooks, leave us on the comments, on the YouTubes, if you're listening to this on the YouTubes. But you know what, if you want to do a little bit more, we always appreciate it when you head over to our Patreon and donate. In fact, I just, let's see, the voting for the community episode just wrapped up, so we should actually have our topics for next week. But of course you can do that if you donate at least $3 a month, that's all we ask is $3 a month. You don't want to donate that much, that's fine. You can go ahead and donate just a single dollar. A single dollar actually helps out quite a bit. If everyone were donating one dollar, you know, Commander & just would have no money worse whatsoever. The money that we get right now helps pay for the hosting fees, helps pay for video projects, stuff like that. Fantastic. And all just for giving us that one tip. But Calvin's mute, so...
1: No, I'm not muted. I was just waiting to see how long you're going to get um, last during the Patreon, waiting to hear me talk about the tip. i don't. And, nope, just wait to see if william was going to say anything after i said the tip
0: no i'm waiting for kevin to talk about the tip
1: and just the tip <laughs> ladies and gentlemen one single dollar into the commander cast tip jar feel free to slide that tip right on in there and if a little extra happens to slip in we won't complain because we have a tier for that as well call a little bit extra and that's our two dollars here and as william explained three dollars here you know helps us out you get to help donate, and the money for that goes toward paying for hosting fees paying for a Video stuff and getting all that other regular content that we have a tendency to provide, and assist with all that other additional stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Who cares? I'm fucking up. But you know what? It's not fucked up when you donate money to the Patreon. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. And we have other tiers higher than that. Uh What was the other one?
0: Let's see. It was the yeah, the five dollar. I believe
1: there was like
0: five dollar tier was the early access to the alpha build videos. Ten dollars was the exclusive set reviews for the alpha build videos, where you get to go through through and look at the uh, the cards per color and the set for the videos of what we do and all that glaven. And
1: you know, all that make leaving. Yeah. So, listeners, your main goal would be to aim for the $3 tier. And if you want to really access this stuff, then, you know, you can always go right ahead and join a little bit more. But if you just want to help a brother out, help the site out a bit, just give us a tip.
0: All right, then. So now that everything has been wrapped up, it's time for us to go into our meat and bones today. We're going to talk, have our community segment today like we do every week? Yeah? I totally didn't pu- just fuck that up? Okay, hold on. i
1: But most weeks, because we don't do it every week. We do, like, you know, set reviews. We don't do a community segment.
0: This is true. But I'm going to do that over anyway.
1: Well, you do it over again. See if I care.
0: I will do it. Just watch it. Fine, then do but it. But you, but you can watch because it's not a video call. So you have to listen.
1: Yes, do it. So fucking do it then. I am do it. Doing, it. doing it. See if I
0: care. I'm doing
1: it. No, you're not. <laughs> you're saying you're going to do it, but you're
0: not doing it. So, now that that's all wrapped up, we're going to go straight into our community segment, and we're going to talk about Sean's current project, making everything break even so that your hobbies have a net zero cost. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. I was going to say you dropped the ball, but you didn't even drop it. You just stood there while I threw it to you.
1: You <laughs> didn't even the ball? try to catch it. I didn't drop nothing. I just sat there and watched him go on and on and on. And then at a certain point, he never said anything about the $1 tier. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see how long he can go before he can mention something to try to get me to talk about that tip.
3: Yeah, and and
4: apparently tip. he can go a very long time saying nothing, waiting for you to talk about just the tip.
0: That's yeah. all I need him to talk about. I just need him to talk about the tip. You don't need him to talk
4: about anything else. Just the tip. Yeah. Just the tip created a very pregnant pause. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome back to the Commander <laughs> Alright then. So, for today's community segment, you know, when I was talking to Sean about the invitation to go ahead and come on and talk about one of our later topics, you know, he's just, he suggested that I tune into uh, general damage control the next day to kind of get an idea of what else we could talk about. And when I read his article, I was like, oh. This is actually quite. Pertinent. This is actually quite pertinent to my current living financial situation. So, Sean, right now you're writing in what appears to be an a year-long article series, and you're endeavoring to basically make your hobby pay for itself. Does that sound about right?
4: Yeah, uh, on the on the lines. I'm hoping that magic can not come out of my standard paychecks. Uh, oddly enough, I'll go back to the first thing you just said. Uh, when I said to, to watch my feed that night, I meant that I was announcing that I was going to be working for Card Kingdom coming forward. That's
0: what I forgot um, <laughs> to, to ask about when I was introducing you. I was like, okay, I did, did, wait, there's something, there's something really big here. What was it? What was it? Oh, shit. You know what? I'll just embarrass myself and remember it later.
1: So basically, what William's saying is, life altering event where man gets a job and tries to, like, move on and gets to move from his current location to a whole another state. Meh. Oh. Finding a way to turn your hobby into zero dollars and zero cents, that's important.
4: Well, you know, to most I mean, of the, the listeners, that's probably more pertinent unless you want advice on how to get uh, your dream job, which I'd be happy to go over. Um, you know, if we were just talking about magic, talking about how to make magic cost less or how to make your hobbies overall cost less, I'm is probably more useful or more useful in a day-to-day.
0: Um, well, the, but they're aspect. also not mutually exclusive either because if I remember correctly, you actually got a job as a – what was it? A financial
4: manager, right? Correct finance manager for Card Kingdom.
0: Yeah, a finance manager for Card Kingdom, which actually plays into managing your finances with your hobby. So it's not exclusively, you know, it's not they're not mutually
3: exclusive.
4: Yeah, that's no, right. Now my, now my hobby yeah. life and my uh, business life are one, which is why you're hearing it on Twitter or on the, my website. I'm sure I'll mention it at some point uh, before where I never talked about what I did for a living previously.
0: Right. So, there's that big announcement, which, congrats, Card Kim is actually a pretty fantastic store. I've ordered with them several times, and they provide quick and quality service. So,
4: yeah, that that they do, and uh, if you do get a chance to go to Seattle, their in-store locations are what I still believe every game store should aspire to be. Um, have you gotten a chance like to America, take a look at them? Durham, Carolina. I haven't been. Is that also a full bar and restaurant?
2: Um, they don't have a restaurant, but they do have a bar.
4: Yeah. They actually um, have
0: alcoholic drinks on tap.
4: Yes. Yes, this one has uh, two sections of the store. The first section of the store is the game room and storefront, which are all beautifully done. They, um, you know, have an on-staff artist who does wonderful work. That's if you ever ask for their tokens, he's doing that. He also helps design all of the work in store. Um, I'll make sure to get a link to him before the end of the episode. And then you have the restaurant side. And the restaurant side is just, it's a nice restaurant, great food. Even if you're not into magic, it's good. And, you know, the, the beer they served is craft beers, good wine. Um, they're thinking of opening more locations where they'll have mixed drinks right now, just beer and wine, but that could change in the near future. And then they also, if you're into role playing games or just having a quiet space where you and your friends can swear to each other, they have room rentals that are really cool themed rooms. Um, anything from like just color themed to at their Bellevue location, they have like the speakeasy room where you actually have to go through a bookcase. To like push open a bookcase to get into a secret room, pretty awesome.
0: I believe so. it's. I believe the restaurant part is called the Mox Cafe, right?
4: Uh, one of them is the Mox Cafe, and the other one's the Mox Boarding House.
0: Ah,
2: okay. Uh, I've heard that name more definitely. All right. So then, usually this... in conjunction with
3: No Banlist List Modern.
0: So then, hmm. here, so then here's the next question: How was it that you were able to, you know, get the job with them? Was it from writing these art- articles with General Damage Control? What was it through a more unrelated channel?
4: Uh, it wasn't related to Commander, but it was related to the Magic community. Um, a pretty f- famous Magic person, uh, you've probably seen him on Star City Games, Chris Van Meter is a personal friend of mine, and he actually had already worked for Card Kingdom, and I'd asked him some advice on how to get in contact with uh, the people at Card Kingdom about getting a job. They don't have a website and for careers, so when it comes to pursuing a career with them, It's about knowing the right person and about knowing what value you yourself will be able to add to the company. And so I was in communication with them for months before um, making a trip up to Seattle for my anniversary, uh, which is the first time I'd seen their store was during my honeymoon. So on the anniversary, seeing them again was, you know, it's wonderful to look at the, the new location in Bellevue, which I'd never seen before. And I actually had a chance to meet with the president and the director of finance there at Card Kingdom. Got to have a nice sit down and discussion about who I was and my experience in finance and accounting and the IT world and told them what I could bring to the table and essentially sold myself on what I could bring to a company. And then as luck would have it, uh, their director of finance was actually re- resigning to go to a big accounting firm and I was able to uh, take a position there and help them r- relieve some of the accounting and finance needs they have and you know really put all my skills to the test.
0: Well, that's fantastic to hear. I'm glad you'll be with a great store. Sorry. So let's go ahead and bring it back to this article series. Making sure that your hobby kind of pays for itself, that it doesn't come out of your standard paycheck. You know, trading cards can get expensive. There are definitely ways to, that we've talked about before, you know, doing stuff like Puka trade, you know, liquefying stuff, maybe going to some stores that will buy out of bulk, right? What was that, Clay?
2: You said you liquefy your cards?
0: Yeah, you basically, you know, just selling at a bulk
2: rate. That, that that doesn't seem like people would want to buy them if they're liquid.
0: No, I mean... they're actually a... liquid. Don't you argue semantics with me, young man.
2: Hey, it's what you said. You liquefy your cards. I'm just repeating what you said.
0: And now I'm completely off track. So, Sean, how do we make our card games not cost as much?
4: Well, uh, so yeah, there's the two parts. The not making it cost as much is a big thing. And for me, that's put it been putting strict budgets on the decks I've built. So this year, um, I've built two new decks and each of those new commander decks, I put a $50 budget on. Uh, if I hadn't have done that, you know, commander decks can easily run into the hundreds of dollars and it's a lot harder to make up hundreds of dollars in trading in cards and selling your cards. And in my case, my extra activities are doing card alters and doing, uh. RPG miniature paint commissions. And so making it up that way would take quite a bit more effort than actually curtailing your spending and getting more creative in your deck building. So that's what I would recommend. And, uh, the way, you, the way you can do that is pretty varied, but the overall sense of it is sticking hard to themes and steering away from staples.
0: So. You're talking about you know actually doing you know other projects. Projects that I'm positive you enjoy, because I've actually seen some of these, and these look fantastic. I actually really like that Mishra Artifice of Pro- Prodigy Altar.
4: Yeah, sadly, that one did not add to my collection. That was a gift for, for Cassidy, but um, it is fun. I, I recommend that if you're going to do something for your hobby that makes you money, whether it be your career, as I'm lucky enough to do now, or just for a little bit of side money that make it something you enjoy, Because in general, it's not going to make you as much money as if you just chased a career, just chased uh, doing it, doing things for an hourly rate. Like doing card alters, each card takes me about, you know, two hours, sometimes a little more to do. I only charge about $20 a card. So in many cases, that's less than minimum wage. But it's a hobby I enjoy. So it's not about making money. It's about uh, performing a hobby and then getting a little bit back to keep me funded.
0: Right. So, for some of us, you know, that is a a dream. Some of us can do al- alter. Some of us can provide certain services that we use towards money. I have a friend who basically helps operate and manage bowling la- lanes on, on uh, his days off from his normal job, and he basically uses his tip money as his exclusive, you know, fund towards his ho- hobbies and his trading cards and stuff like that. Not everyone really has. Not everyone really has that option though sometimes they actually just have the 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 one salary job and it takes up the kind of time where they really only have time for that as an income source and then they have their hobby and the hobby is just kind of of a sink the budget does help but what do you do but like where's the um um, what's the word i'm looking for the real source here if you're trying to keep everything as middle as possible if you're trying to get you know certain cards to kind of
4: pay for themselves so to speak
0: Or is that that actually something that's doable?
4: It is something that's doable. In fact, when I first started this, uh, the most successful I was was at GP Oakland, where I showed up, uh, I traded in a few cards to the vendors, and big events are very helpful for this kind of thing, because big events, there are always a number of vendors, and you can kind of shop around for which one of your cards you can sell, and how much you can get, and get the most for each one. Very easy, very quick, you get cash in hand right then. Um, so I traded away a couple cards to the vendors, got some money, and then um, did sealed events and draft events during there. Now, of course, to get the most out of those, you do need to win. That That's always helpful, getting, getting prizes. <laughs> but outside of winning, what you have to do is you have to evaluate uh, the events you're doing for expected value with sealed events. So in this particular case, uh, a friend of mine and myself, we went through and we looked up the value of the particular packs compared to the cost of the events or several of the events that were side, side events. The main event you have to be really good at. I'm not that good. Side events I can usually win a round or two and get a little bit back, so that's what we went for. And what we found doing our evaluation was that Modern Masters was one of the ones that gives you the best return for your money. And sure enough, we uh, we got into a few Modern Masters drafts and uh, through both luck and uh, you know a small amount of skill, We're both able to do well in performing and then in opening, it was about studying the set that you're opening and knowing what the value cards are, both in, uh, both in the rares and mythics and in the, the commons and uncommons so that you know what you can trade. And that, and doing that's actually pretty simple at one of those events because that's just looking at the main buy list boards because those buy list boards are meant for the event. They know you're opening certain packs and they're ready to buy cards from those packs. And sure enough, uh, we can't, I kind of hit the gold mine in one of the drafts where I got past uh, Foil Spell Skite, and at the time it wasn't banned in Eye of Ugin, and was able to take those and essentially pay for the whole day. Wait, you got then, past
0: a Foil Spell Skite?
4: Yeah, well, again, these are side events. You're playing with casual players. Casual players who may or may not know the values of the, the cards they're opening. And in draft, Spell Skite may not look like it's great for your deck especially if it's in you know pack two or pack three and the people we were playing with were playing for fun so they didn't care
0: i mean yeah but that's still kind of amazing
4: yeah but uh, as i said inside events you get things like that all the time people do side events because they don't want to do a large event and they don't want to care about that if you can bring a little bit of caring into those kind of drafts you can get or you have a good chance of taking some money out of it.
0: And that's where your research and your knowledge about that set comes from.
4: Yeah, very very important. The other thing you can do, which is why I'm actually behind on the goal right now, is uh, troll online for people selling their bulk or selling their collections, and take a risk. Uh, if you can look at it first, it's good. If you can't, just make sure you're paying low enough that uh, if you had to sell it back to a store at bulk rates, you're not going to lose too much. So... Uh, I bought, uh, a thousand common and uncommons for like $5. And then I bought a collection of all rares, mythics, foils, um, for quite a bit more than that, but bought uh, almost $300, but bought them at bulk rates. So, um, it'll, time will tell if I'm able to get money back on those. But if I do have to sell to another store, or to another person at a same or similar rate, it'll minimize the losses. So there's not much I have to find in the bulk if I buy it cheap enough.
0: All right. So with that being said, you know, making a budget, knowing how to flip certain cards around, that's all fine. Are there any real, you know, casual tips or points that you could give someone who doesn't want to put in a whole lot of work but they don't want to spend a whole lot of money? Obviously there's the keep your budget in mind option, but for someone who, you know, either can't afford to go to to big events or doesn't want to have to do the legwork of tracking down some of these things that they could flip.
4: Uh, sure. Like if you're not looking for bulks that you can flip, if you're dealing with your own collection and you're trying to sell some of it to pay for the hobby, the more valuable your individual cards are, the easier it is to sell them for at or close to their value. And so when trading, you always want to be the person who's trading up in those cases. And uh, I have this thing now where I have a binder and it's filled with rares that are essentially just cheap rares, and I call it my 25 cent binder, and I think I mentioned this in the article, and I put it out to people, I say all these rares are worth 25 cents. They might be worth a little more, they might be worth a little less, doesn't particularly matter, but it makes it very easy for people to grab things that they like and get them out of there. And then you just need to have some knowledge on what cards are worth, and have a few in mind that you're looking for, and try to trade for them.
0: Alright then, so Clay, Clay, Calvin, you guys haven't really had a chance to really get in there. Did you have any questions or things you wanted to say about this?
2: No, well I guess... I've sort of been doing the same as far as not trying to spend real money on cards, um, mostly funded by being in the judge program at least, so I guess that kind of goes along with you doing alters as a way to pay for it, that's something related to the hobby that you enjoy doing, but can bring Absolutely. in some extra income, or in this case, store credit.
0: Yep, that is a good one. I actually, I became a judge partly to help pay for trading cards, too. You could get bought... <clears throat> When you become a level one judge and you start working some of the, the bigger events, like, uh, not necessarily GPTs, but, you know, just talk to your local organizer to get, try and get some experience into some of the bigger events. Star City are definitely I mean, large, large events.
2: Even just doing FNMs.
0: Even just can, doing M's, You can get, usually, if you're a level one judge and you're running your FNM and stuff like that, you can get a free draft or stuff, something like that.
2: Yeah, because at least the way Atomic Empire does it is I think it's like 50 cents per player um, in store credit which is funded actually by the uh, players' entry fees. Um, But still, like, if I run an FNM that 60 people play in, I get $30 in store credit at the end of the night, which isn't too much, but it's a good bonus for doing something that I enjoy doing.
0: Yep. For my store here, the Card Academy here in Roundsburg, Ohio, which is a fantastic shop. You can check out where I work. I actually get $2... Let's see. I want to say it's $2 per person. So with a 50... so with a 50-player midnight pre-release, I'll bring in $100 store credit that I actually just end up using to pay for all the Magic si- singles that I end up wanting from that set.
2: Man, now we want to work there.
0: It's actually pretty f- <laughs> I mean, we consistently put up those numbers for the pre-release stuff, so it works out fine. Plus, the owner gets to leave early. He gets to actually sleep. <laughs> I don't, because I'm running it. <laughs> so that's definitely a great way. And plus, you get involved into an actual, you know, program with that judging. Yep, so there's an upside to that. Although, I will say that getting the Guru Lands was pretty sweet.
2: The the Therese Nielsen ones?
0: Yeah, that helped me meet my rent when I was starting to fall behind.
2: I flipped those for store credit that I then used to purchase some nice high-end cards.
0: Yeah, sometimes being a judge, you will just randomly get treasure.
4: Yep. If you can be a judge, it's a great way to help pay for the hobby and, you know, become a better player all around. If I had the mental faculties for it, I would give it a shot.
0: It's not about the mental faculties no it's about not wanting to punch every player using dice as tokens
4: tomato tomato
0: yeah sure all right so that's our community segment guys do you have any closing thoughts about about the whole break even project or anything like that Sean where are you at right now with this? you said that you were falling behind
4: yeah i'm a, I'm about a hundred dollars over right now so I'm gonna need to actually sell some cards again uh-huh.
2: ouch speaking of that um even if you just like draft weekly at your FNM or even at your store in general, if you know what cards to look for and you are good at it, you can just go. I think what people call it is going infinite, where you just like get back your value every week.
4: Yeah, it's the same thing you can do on MTGO. Yeah. Um, essentially, if you're decent at drafting, you know what sets are worth. Drafting is almost free. If you're
0: decent at drafting, you know what things are worth, and then everyone around you happens to be just terrible, because that's actually what happens with my roommate. He comes in, and he gets, like, if he doesn't get top two, he's always at least top third, and he's always at least making his entry back at some point.
4: See, I don't actually think that's people being terrible. I think it's people going into things with different priorities. If your priority going into something is to win and make money, you have a much higher chance of doing it with somebody else's priority is going into just to have a good time.
0: The problem is, the majority of the people who show up are trying to win. It's just been my observation that they're not that great at it. <laughs> but the, we're talking about the same draft group that let me play 5-color Doom Blast when cons was the draft format every week. So there we go.
3: 5-color
0: Doom Blast. Alright then. Sounds hilarious. It was fantastic! I would draft all the lands, because they would keep passing to me. And then I would have the sweet Sulte Morph deck that was splashing white for Doom Blast. And then they started drafting Lens of Clarity because they thought that that was how you fought the morph decks that I was winning with. Alright. There's a reason why I stopped drafting. Alright, so that's it for our strategy segment. Next up, we're going to... That was it for our community segment. Next up, we're going to go into strategy. And we're going to find out who's on top. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Calvin's (sighs)
4: so sleepy over there. That's me. Well, I mean, because I can't hear anything from them. I can't hear anything. No, no, I'm right here. Yeah. Not used to you being so quiet.
1: Yeah, well, the thing is, uh, the community segment was mostly something where, like, here's something where I'm mostly just going to sit back and listen, because I have nothing really to contribute to telling people on how to bring their uh, income into the hobby lower, seeing as how I don't I don't draft. I don't typically trade that much. If I see a card I like, I normally just go out and buy a damn thing and just call it a day. And all the key questions that needed to be, and all the key questions that need to be asked to kind of make the topic move forward. William was asking anyway, so I just kind of just like okay, anyway, hey, William seems to have this. Let let the man shine for a moment.
0: So for our strategy segment today, you know I mentioned this before. With the spoiler and reveal that Sensei's Divine Top is going to be reprinted in Eternal Masters, I've been joking that everyone's going to get to have Sensei's Divine Top, and that everyone is going to contribute to a four-hour game because of it. Sean, you had a slight disagreement with that, where I believe it was you point out that if people actually knew how know how to play Top, it's not going to be that long. To which my counterpoint was, I also believe. I, I say believe because I actually couldn't find the original post. But something along the lines of, yeah, but how many people actually know how to play top correctly and efficiently?
4: Does that sound about right? That sounds about right. I I think I just have more faith in humanity than you do.
0: Well, (laughs) that's not inaccurate. So, Sean, let's go ahead and ask that first question. How do you tell if someone knows how to play the top right or not? Like, they go ahead, they slap down the top. What tells you whether you're going to have to be waiting you 15, 20 minutes for this guy to make up his damn mind? Or for you to be get, like, okay, he's got a top, it's fine, it's not going to interrupt gameplay.
4: I guess it would be the first activation. I really have seen very few people that take 15 minutes, or even uh, a few minutes, to look at the top three cards of their library and decide where they're going. Uh, and honestly, I've seen people take way more time on things like doing the cycle lands with Life from the Loam, or doing Egg's Loops, or just doing fetch lands with Gitrog Monster, than you would take looking at three cards on the top of your library. So I'm not sure where the concern of this making games last longer is coming from.
2: I think the concern comes from the fact that it was banned in Modern for that reason. Okay. Um, Just because taking an extra five seconds for a top activation every turn over the course of a match can add up really quickly. But in EDH, that's not going to be nearly as much of a problem just because there's no time limit. And people are not guaranteed to always have their but i think that that is where the slowness comes from.
0: Clay's actually right. Like i joke about it being 10 15 minutes. It is more accurately, yeah, they might t- only take like 5 10 seconds to make up their mi- mind. If they need a land, they're obviously going to put that land-, land on top and stuff like that. Ain't longer than that it probably happens. But it's the cumulative time thing. of all suddenly it's been a few minutes using just this top.
4: Right, and I think that's where your uh, view of how people are using top is very different than mine. I generally don't see people using top and everybody around the table staring at that person using a top. Unless it's a control player who's using top in response to something, it's, as I said, it's like the fetch land. Somebody can be fetching a land... While you're still taking your turn, unlike a modern tournament or standard or anything that's really competitive, where you have to do things in the right order and you have to make sure you wait until you're done before going on to the next step or phase, uh, commander, you can shortcut things. So mm. if somebody says top at the end of your turn and looks at them, it's fine. Just shortcut it, get through, have a good game, and that's how I see it played ninety percent of the time or more. But yes, if you're telling the whole table to stop while you stare at cards and wait to do anything every time you activate top, sure, it'll take a lot longer.
0: No, absolutely, I agree, and that is the majority of what I see, but I think that's more because we've been playing EDH for a while, like, we we, we know the, the shortcuts, we've had time to learn the, not the uh, the social norms, the, not, not plus and cheese, what was it, the etiquette, the EDH etiquette of, yeah, go ahead and take your turn while I do this thing that would just take whatever, you know, it's that same thing where it's, you would go, you know, main phase, fetch a land because I need to get this man out. But then all I'm gonna do is cast this thing after I'm done in past turn. Or okay, I'm gonna demonic tutor, search my deck for a card and add it, and then you can go ahead and go while I'm searching. Granted, with something like that, there's a little bit more of an honor system that you're not gonna grab an answer. You're not just gonna suddenly gra- decide to grab an answer after you see them play something or anything like that. Yeah. Top just it's, top has just that reputation, you know, where people do want to go. Okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and top. And then, oh, something actually changed, so I have to go ahead and re-top. Or sometimes you'll get into that situation where you have to make a choice between a couple of cards that the top is letting you look at, and you get into those commonplace scenarios where you kind of just stall mentally while you're trying to figure out which card you'd rather have. Maybe that happens to me a little more often than not. It's just one of those things that that results naturally from having more decision-making to make. Does that make sense? Does that mute? Uh,
3: Yeah, I guess you were muted. Is that unmuted? You are unmuted. Okay,
4: there you are. Yeah. I was muted, or what? Yeah, you were definitely muted. muted. I I think the rest of us thought everyone was muted, because nothing was coming out. Mm. Well, that
2: was was weird. Okay.
1: Sweet. So Skype apparently doesn't like us talking about top.
2: Yep. Sean Patchen wants to show video. Accept all videos on this call.
4: Don't don't accept any videos.
2: All right, then. It's not me.
4: That's going to be a lot of nudity. It's hot out here. Come on.
0: Uh, where is it? Uh, I need to double-check and make sure I can find the file. Maybe, probably.
1: Maybe, probably. Hopefully. I,
0: it says it's recording, and I believe it this time.
1: It's I called?
0: That's probably it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's...
4: So this, what do you think about Top 10, William?
0: This is fine. What was that tangent that got cut
4: off? Yeah, the stigma blank.
0: Back. Oh, so what, saying, so what I was saying... So what I was saying was, I think it's one of those things where... One top just kind of has that stigma of being that it takes forever to you know actually. Yeah, it, it, it's not that it takes forever to actually do it. It's that people take forever when they're actually using it. You know, part of it because of legacy and the miracles deck. Part of it because it getting bad in modern for time uh, considerations. My personal thing has always been that you know sometimes you get into those scenarios where because the top is giving you more decision making power, sometimes you do end up t- taking a little longer to think about it than you need to. Like. If you have to choose between two cards and you're in a tight position, you're trying to fi- you're trying to figure out which one you need more. Of course, that could just be me because I tend to need a little bit more more time to think. But I'm sure it happens to other people too. If that makes sense.
1: Well, the thing here, though, William, is is that in a competitive format, if you happen to come across that dilemma where you activate the top and you look at the top three cards and there's two cards there and you're trying to make a decision between which one of the two cards you actually want to decide. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, well, go ahead. Tell your opponent to take his turn while you make this decision. They have to stop because you have to finish the effect. And that adds on to the time for the match, which then delays the match, which then at some point or another could either be marked as slow play or just extend the round out longer or end up causing this match that could have probably been over like 20 minutes ago into becoming a draw just because of the fact that you couldn't make a decision between your top activations, whereas in Commander, If you have that difficulty of making the decisions of what you want to top for, you can still be able to just say, well, you know what? Go right ahead. You guys continue. I'm going to sit here, figure out what I want. Don't mind me. If something does come up, just let me know. and I'll just get involved in whatever and just finish doing this and you can just get around it. Now the only way top would become an issue in Commander is if you're know, like at a table with four players and everybody actively sensates the binding top at the exact same time and it comes across the exact same dilemma and then nobody wants to do anything because it's all too busy topping. In which case now it's like, all right, now you guys are really just kind of just fucking around. You're not really trying to play the game. You're just kind of just trying to see how long you can annoy everybody with a top.
4: Yeah, and I think that may have been what built up the stigma originally is uh, I know, what, two, three years ago, at least when uh, I was first writing for Commander Cast, it was thought that Sensei's Divining Top goes in every single Commander deck. And I used to see it in nearly every Commander deck I saw. Uh, because of the price, which is bad if you like top and great if you like diversity, uh, I don't see it very often anymore. I see it in, as I said, maybe one in five Commander decks, maybe less than that.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't see it barely at all either.
4: Well,
1: that's the thing, like in Commander, top. Don't get me wrong, it's defining Top is a good card, but in Commander, it's not like it's like the most game-breaking, back-churning card you could possibly slap down on a table. You you could slap down a Soul Ring and get more activations and uses out of that than a Top. Yeah, it feels
4: like since they printed Consecrated Sphinx, nobody's cared as much about Top for some reason.
1: Yeah, look at that. (laughs) Now I don't have to look at a Top 3, they just come to me. Hmm. But yeah. But yeah, but that's the thing, like, with, but in Commander, it's like, yeah, you can play it, but the overall view of what top does in Commander, okay, you get to look at the top three, you might be able to activate the ability to draw the card, but that's roughly it. It's not really, you know, like, game-breaking, and it's not like it's something where it's like, you've got to worry about, like, putting your top down and having someone try to naturalize it or whatever the case may be, and chances are, if it is getting annoying. In a game of commander, you have three opponents, all who could potentially just rip the top away from you at some given point or another. Whereas in a one-on-one duel, your opponent basically has to wait and has to deal with it. And, it's, and if they don't play the right removal spell or they don't wait for the right time, then the top can just, you know, be cracked and sent back to the top of the library. So, you know, there's always ways around it when you're doing it in a single player's map. But in multiplayer, there's so many different other cards that can hit the table that could just affect the board and cause uh the cause you to lose like sarah ascendant shows up turn one oh great i'd rather deal with that than have to worry about someone's sensei's divining top or i don't know like someone decides they want to go off and play like a a, a grave pack i'd rather find some way of dealing with that than having to put it with a sensei's divining top
4: also don't get me wrong but uh wasn't isn't counterbalance legal in the formats where top got banned for extending games like, it's the combination of those two cards that'll make a game last forever. I mean, those those cards are absolutely ridiculous. Cold balance... Let's see, counterbalance is in cold snap at uncommon. It is
0: indeed legal in modern. You can play a counterbalance deck, you just don't get top.
4: Yeah, because that will make the game last forever, those two cards together. In a format where your converted mana costs usually range 1 to 4. Well,
2: I think... I think, Calvin, you're kind of overlooking, like, the reason that people would play top in the first place because in EDH more even more so than in legacy being able to look at the top 3 cards is incredibly strong especially if you have enough shuffle effects to be able to keep on refreshing what those cards are because that's the whole reason like even before legacy miracles started playing counterbalance alongside top there was still a reason to play top because it just keeps it keeps letting you look at new cards and in a format where all of your cards are one ofs, and if you let's say you're playing a three color deck and you run like all what nine fetch lands, that makes sense to run. Um, being able to shuffle that often and being able to look at the top three every single time to try and find the specific card that you're looking for can almost be tutor like. And the fact that it comes down on turn one and lets you look every single turn, it's a powerful card. And I think you're just not quite giving it the credit that it deserves
4: in that yeah and i think clay you hit on one of the big time sink things too for the people who are doing it that way uh especially if you were playing it with like crucible worlds where you literally can fetch every turn and every top activation is followed by a shuffle and maybe another top activation then it does become a time sink for the game Yeah. because you do have to wait for it to be done and it is affecting everything that happens and those kind of decks are very frustrating but i will still say it's not the only thing that does that. It, uh, you know, again, the Life from the Loam, Cycling Lands things, there's other effects that are these big value engines that if you're not quick at activating them or they require a shuffle every time. I mean, I play Mishra artificer' Priority, so uh, that's <laughs> one of the things that Top is used in and is very, very effective in. Uh, and I will say, you, got, you either have to get really quick at shuffling or have a pretty patient group because there are times where it will take a long time. And it's making sure that that's not an every turn thing.
1: All right. But what I'm but what I'm saying here though is is that with that, even though the top does like that's the deck where we're talking about like, all right, here's top. We have these shuffle effect. We can keep shuffling the deck. We can actually make this last out as long as we want. But in your typical commander group, while granted top is powerful, that's not everybody's deck. That's not something that everyone here is doing because they want to be able to do that. And if everyone's doing it, then no one can really complain because you know you're all topping and kind of doing this shuffle effect to make the game go longer. But even in like, say, like a typical group game where let's just say one player has a deck that has this type of ability where they're constantly shuffling their deck and activating the top as many times as possible makes sense because it's kind of a tutor. That's typically like one person out of the entire group, in which case it's basically the same as coming across any other typical combo player or any other typical like deck where you could be playing some type of age style deck where you're just constantly going off or some type of list dredge kind of deck where you're just constantly going and going and going. In which case then, you know, the top is the top there is a thing, but in the vast majority of the decks, it's just not doing that. And it's basically the, yeah, can it be there? Right. Of course it can be there. But it's not nearly as it's powerful, but it's not nearly as uh a uh, uh, present or as in comparison to like what it would be doing in that particular deck.
0: All right, guys. So, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Oh, right. So Never mind. Okay, so I got my train of thought back. So to kind of uh, put a new spin on this thing, let's go ahead and talk about the things that you should not be doing with top. You know, we could, we've already covered on the, you know, this is why it isn't a problem because people are playing responsibly and this is how they're playing responsibly with it. Let's do a thing that people don't do responsibly with that top, shall we? Like, Sean, what's the number one thing that people shouldn't be doing with that top?
4: Okay, well, I think you can apply this to more than Top, but if you're not being conscious of the... Conscious? Conscious? conscious. Oh, wow. No words for me tonight. Um, of the group and the people around you, and them having fun, and how much time you're taking on your turn. You, just, you have to pay attention to that. You have to know when you're taking too long and making it not fun for other people. So, taking too long, regardless of how you're doing it, is going to make things less fun for everyone.
0: Clay, what shouldn't people do with Top?
2: Um, this is more from a mechanical gameplay perspective, but you should never be tapping your top to draw a card every turn. That's just terrible.
0: The worst part is I think I've actually done that one or two times. Calvin, what shouldn't be people be doing with top?
1: Uh, what people shouldn't be doing with top? Uh, activating it and then persisting that it act, that, you have, that everyone has to wait for you to finish topping before they can go. Especially if what you're doing is probably not relevant like if you're using top and you're trying to like say for instance you're using some type of miracles deck or your deck has some type of ability where like yeah this top could literally win you the game if you've done it right then the people at the table might sit down and be like all right fine give him a couple extra seconds because if he can win then let him win But if your deck isn't really, you know, based on miracles or you aren't finding some other type of way to win, then just the fact that you're activating top and taking so long to figure out which one of these three cards you want to put on top or whatever the case may be, then and then you're just like, oh, go up top and then nothing. Don't continue to proceed to do that continuous because the more you do it, the more annoyed everybody gets. Next thing you know, you won't be around for the next round of group games.
0: All right, then. So we're going to go ahead and go with Sean's uh, thought, and then we'll go ahead and move on
4: final thought on this yes my final thought is eh, it's really not that much of a problem it's still a social contract issue
0: all right clay calvin you guys have final thoughts
1: i mean i really don't see you having an issue with top i, just, I personally just think it's as a uh, gripe that you have as a judge
2: against top
0: hey we gotta stop the top
2: i have no gripe as a judge against top top is a great card just top responsibly
0: two out of three judges say top should be stopped all right then guys that's it where's for... the
2: third where's the third
0: Clues. Clues is always the third. He has a real hashtag that's actually trending. Stop the top. Really? Yeah.
3: I have not seen this hashtag.
0: It's a lot. It shows up a I lot more up the morning. I guess so that's it for our strategy segment. Next up we're going to go into technology and we just talked about top but what about those poor people like Sean who can't really afford to who you know, need to use an actual budget. Let's go ahead and look at some poor man tops. Stay tuned everyone. We'll be right back.
1: I'm the only one where where that William basically
3: Scepter. call
4: Sean for. Yeah. I'm a puff. I have no money.
2: Welcome this to the is club. one of those times where I wish Isochron Scepter could do sorceries because I would just say stick port- Portent on an Isochron
0: Scepter. Um, you can stick Brainstorm on an Isochron, Isochron Scepter.
2: I mean, that's not actually that bad as yeah, a
3: replacement.
2: That's,
4: it's pretty good. Isochron Scepter takes, plus takes two constant that lets you
0: look at the top. It takes two cards to make a top, but.
4: but it's literally. Literally any instant that lets you at the top is good.
3: Except
4: I I don't particularly I just don't particularly like those spells by themselves outside of certain like storm decks. So
2: it's good filtering. Yeah,
0: but then I, again, I mean they're
4: they're fine. I'm just I'm super greedy. <coughs> yeah, but when you're playing Storm of the Storm, it's actually pretty cool. Well, we in Storm, it's again. There's the caveat. Well, it's like if you're playing Eye of Eye of the Storm, then Brainstorm's also awesome, right? Yeah. Because it's going to attach itself to like a Time Stretch. Man, how awesome is Brainstorm when Time Stretch comes with it?
0: Or you can not play Time Stretch. Someone and, else and can... casts an instant, and you're sad because
4: then they get to Time Stretch first. Oh, if you're playing that, you've got plenty more instants where that came from.
2: Uh, not... Man, there are two people at there. my store playing Eye of the Storm now, and it's really
4: annoying. Yeah, talking about... I was just thinking, man, Top doesn't seem so bad next to all these other fucking time sinks that happen. Um, it's... Yeah, there's some real bad ones out there. Including Mishra's Possibility Storm thing. Will, yeah. I play with Future Sight and things, yeah. Top is not the top I'll offender. deck where you would reasonably actually play Possibility Storm. No. That was so good in there, though.
0: See, I don't play Time Stretch in my Stormless Storm deck. I like to play Stitch in time.
4: Yeah, it's all the same.
0: But, but I've only got like a fifty percent chance oh, every time I cast it. That's fair, right?
2: Zada plays possibility storm as well. Alright. Because triggers.
0: Mm hmm. So in our technology segment today, we understand that not everyone's gonna get their hands on Eternal Masters. Not everyone's gonna be able to get a of divine talk, despite how much I was joking about it earlier. What you can mm-hmm. though, is you can have something that's kind of close. Kind of. Kind of
3: close.
0: So guys, at this point we're gonna go start start talking and sharing, you know, some cards that kind of do what sensei's divining top does if only maybe not as good so sean as residential guest what's your first one
4: okay well i'm not sure there's a, a colorless card i would use to purely slide in for sensei's divining top um but i don't play many colorless decks so i'll just start with one that's in green i really like as a replacement for sensei's divining top that's really cheap cream of the crop this is a one colorless one green enchantment Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may look at the top X cards of your library where X is that creature's power. If you do, put one of those cards on top of your library and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. It doesn't cost anything to activate. If you're playing anything that, you know, blinks or brings things into instant speed, it gives you some of that deck filtering uh, right away. If not, it's still, it's just, it's after the first two mana, free deck filtering. That can get really, really deep into your deck, especially when you're playing green and you know you got some big creatures coming.
0: God, and it's so disgusting with natural predation. No, no, no was it natural predation? No, it was looking predators maybe? Predators. Yeah, yeah, lurking predators. Yeah, it, it's
4: really good with lurking predators. It can keep, it essentially just keep going.
0: God, it's so disgusting. So, Clay, what's a card that you would talk about?
2: Um, Basically, anything that allows you to scry can sort of be used as a replacement top. Uh, there are a couple of artifacts that allow you to scry 1 or scry 2. Uh, there are a bunch of blue cantrips, like Ponder, well Ponder isn't, Ponder is Ponder, but uh, Preordain and Serum Visions and foresee c um, allow you to manipulate the top couple cards and allow you to get a couple cards in hand. They're one-shot use, but they can help out in a pinch really early in the game. See, land, I thought... You're just going land
0: go. See, I thought you were going to go with something along the lines of, like, a, a Crystal Ball or a Seer's Lantern. Yeah. Yes, Sean. Yeah,
4: Sean. Of course, I was on mute. Uh, yeah, that, I was going to say, one of my favorite cards for card advantage in my Shire deck is Viscera Seer. Free, awesome, like, mono-black replacement for top right there. Oh, it okay. goes off that theory.
0: Yeah, the Seer is really good. It's, it, it's a $2 common. What
4: the hell? Wait, it's $2? It's really good.
0: If it's the Commander version. Evidently, 2011 is only worth a dollar for 10. Still, that's not bad for a common. Look at him! Look, look at him trying to be all va- oh, valuable and expensive.
4: That's actually super frustrating. He he was ten cents when I put him in that Shirei deck because it was a budget decision. He he might actually be too expensive if I was going to try to rebuild that thing now.
0: Oh yeah, that's like what if if you have fifty dollars that's.
4: Yeah, well if you get the Magic twenty eleven one, you can find some places that have it less. Hopefully you can find it in a bulk bin somewhere. That's yeah, that's brutal. Dollar dollar common.
1: So, Calvin. Oops. So, uh, the card I typically use when I don't feel like I use the top is always Crystal Ball. Uh, the three colorless artifact, pay a single colorless and tap it, and it scries you too. And the thing for a Crystal Ball is, no, you don't get to look at the top three, but you do have the option to ship them away. Unlike with top where you, you know, if you don't like the top three, you kind of stuck with them. At least with the Crystal Ball, you get the option to kind of, you know, maneuver them around, and you don't have to worry, wait for the shuffle effects to <laughs> fix them up. Uh, let's see. Uh, what was what's another card I typically would use for this type of? Actually, you know what? Here's a question to the group. Would you guys consider Knowledge Pool to be a top replacement? It gives you three cards, uh, and you do get to see them prior to actually usage. I, I
4: would say yes if you're Mishra. You're all horrible <laughs> people. But I like to cast their top and my top. That's a that's great value right there.
0: Well, in response it to your own top, you can maintain priority and top your top. Then you'll put mm-hmm. your top on top and then use that top to save your top. You should just go
1: weird. Yeah. So, William, what card will you use to replace the Sensei's to buy Cup of your deck?
0: So, it's one that we were talking about a little bit in the in betweens. It's one I've actually put in my Stormless Storm deck. I like using the Isochron Scepter with a lot of those filtering type effects that Clay was talking about. Only, you know, with the instant type speed type stuff, you get a lot of the Impulse, Anticipation, a lot of, you know, Brainstorm is another one. Where you're just constantly filtering the top card of your deck. And in the case of stuff like Impulse and Anticipation, they actually end up netting you a card.
2: Yeah, I mean, brainstorm nets you and lets you set up your draws.
0: Well, brainstorm by itself doesn't net you a card because you spend a card to get that effect.
2: Oh, true. But, but on, if, if, if you're doing it off of an Isocron scepter, you're still netting a card. After you're like not spending the card
0: after three activations, I want to say, because the ice is one card, the brainstorm is another card, so that's two cards. You net, you draw two cards after two activations, so that third activation is when you start making. But at the same time, you before you sculpt with your hands. Which
2: would be the same so for. It would be the same for any of the cards, at least. Kind of. Anyways.
0: Anyways, so if a series, series one, I'm, I need to add to our ever-growing list of stuff.
1: The eternal list of stuff and things and things and stuff.
0: All the That's things. A long list. List.
4: All, the, all the stuff.
1: Because reasons.
0: Very much so. Mm-hmm. So, Sean,
1: you have another card on your list that you would like to tell the listeners about?
4: Sure. This one's more an example of a card to look for because I was talking about General Tazri earlier. Uh, again, very budget deck, and the replacement for Top in there. Is obviously an ally, and the ally is a Boros card called Munda Ambush Leader. Two <laughs> colorless, a red and a white, has haste and rally. Whenever Munda Ambush Leader, another ally enters the battlefield under your control, you may look at the top four cards of your library. If you do reveal any number of ally cards from among them, and then put those cards on top of your library in any order, the rest on the bottom. This is actually. Awesome. It's pretty amazing to to just stack the top of your deck with allies, especially if you're running stuff like Lurking Predators Descendant Path. Um even if you're running like a short Genesis wave for your allies, anything like that, it's fantastic and this one really is cheap. So you can get this uh I, I think essentially for free. You can get them uh people will liquefy them for real and drink them. They don't care about this card. So you can get them. You hear that, Calvin? So what
0: was that uh that outburst? So, Cast listeners might remember that Calvin has some um, feelings about Moondive.
1: It's not just me. <laughs> him and Boros. Oh, huh. Is it that
4: it's a Chronos ripoff? Is, is no, that the feeling?
1: It, it, no, because it's a horrible card.
4: <laughs> what? Have you uh, played with it?
1: Like, me personally, as a Boros player, I don't like him. <laughs> Like, now, let's say, now, like, I'm just saying, like, since he's in your allies deck, perfectly understandable, you, you know, go okay, ahead, do your thing. At least there, your allies deck kind of has, like, a blink thing going for it. So, it's one of the, I can understand why you would use him as kind of a replacement top, but just, like, overall, like, by himself. Well,
4: yeah, but can't you say that about literally every ally? They're all horrendous by themselves. It's the same as any individual sliver uh, outside of hey, hey, Legends. Hey, hey, They're I all never... awful by themselves. Actually, okay. hey, I never, not necessarily. I never
0: said the harmonic sliver is pretty good by itself.
1: Like, hey, I never said that the allies were good. See, Mark was the one who had the biggest issue with it because he was building an allies deck and saw this. My issue with it was, it was like, oh, man, I thought it was going to be a Boros commander that I could use and enjoy, but no, I have to play allies, and I can't
2: play Boros with it because... I mean, he's an ally, could... what do you expect? <laughs> and, and this
4: legendary like... ally, you have to play allies with them. Oh, come on, yeah. wizards. Oh,
2: like, look, he,
1: he, he's perfectly fine in a five-color allies deck because now he has way more targets. But as a Boros commander, no. Sure. And that's basically my biggest issue with It's like, yeah, he's a Boros commander, but it's not like Allies was like exclusive to a Red and White or something, you know? Like if Red and White had far more Allies, then I could probably be like, all right, then sure, why not? But uh, that, that we're moving on. So Clay, um, you have anything like you want to toss into this top replacement discussion?
2: Well, um, just throwing on top of uh, that. Oh, that's not that's not quite as budget. It, it's still cheaper than top though. Um, one of the uh, one of the fun staples of the uh, the light green white enchantress sort of thing um, is a card from Tempest called Miri's Guile. Um, it is still somewhat not budget because um, it mids for about fifteen on TCG Player, but that's still cheaper than Sensei's Divining Top. And I just completely spelled that wrong, so we are going to...
3: Miri's um, it's top girl. seems
2: to it's be a... sitting around 25. Uh ah, Miri's mm-hmm. Guile is an enchantment for a single green mana that just says, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may look at the top three cards of your library and put them back in any order. So it's literally just a top activation, every upkeep. And that's all there is to it.
1: Yay. Yes. Yay. Any thoughts?
0: I mean, it's Cat. Thinking, Come. It's Cat Guile. Yeah, miri has got. miri has got. Cats. cats. All right. So, my contri- contribution here is something along the lines of a Narset tech. It's one that you see in a lot of Narset Evidently, it's Susane, the one blue enchantment that says that for five mana you can shuffle your library, but for X you can look at the top X cards of your library and then put them back in any order. Yeah, in Narset it's a stupid good card. Pro- much in that deck, much more powerful than, say, the top. But the top is still a great card in Narset. I actually had both of these in there. And the susain in a normal deck, I'd be hesitant to say it's as powerful as the top. The top can only dig three deep, but it digs three deep for one mana. For this one, if you wanted to dig that down deep, then it's going to cost three. It, it's a scaling cost. So if you really needed to dig deep, and you know find an answer for, for the thing that's about to kill you, you could do it. but well, I, I think Sean had some words about this, just saying.
1: You know what you're saying Sue are you on mute again, Sean?
4: I didn't have anything on the, on this particular one that you're talking about. I was still harassing him about the red allies.
0: Oh for in some the reason, chat. For some reason I thought you ha- had said that you weren't as big on anymore.
4: Oh yeah, just because the the amount of mana you have to put into it compared to other effects that are either free, or, uh, cost less. I mean, scrying for one, for one mana makes little sense when you have cards like...
3: scrying, you just
4: look. Yeah. Yeah, you, well, you get to rearrange, I guess, so, unless you're digging pretty deep on the rearranging, you know, you have to pay three mana at a time for a ponder effect, uh, where you'll have things, I mean, even when it was printed, you had things like scroll rack, which for two mana could do up to, you know, seven or more cards. Now you have ones that just give you so much value at any given time, um, that I... I'm just not a fan of it in blue. Blue has a lot of options for getting cards and card draw that just looking at them and pouring mana into it. Eh, it's fine, but I'm not. I'm not getting excited over it.
0: Yeah. Oh well.
1: I mean, speaking of blue, I guess this would be a good chance to toss out the other card that I mentioned, you know, at the beginning of the the pre-call for this particular topic. I would go with a uh, future site uh, two colors triple blue for five mana for an enchantment. And it basically says, play with the top card of your library revealed. You may play the top card of your library. Now, while well, granted, no, it's not digging you 3D. But it does give you a chance to look at the top card of your library. And if you have don't like it and you have fetch lands, you can always crack a fetch land, shuffle your library up. And next thing you know, the top card's different. Now it's flipped back over. And if you want to cast that, you can go right ahead. And then after you cast it, if the card underneath it is something you want, it flips over as well. And you can then proceed to use that. Now, granted, manner-wise, This is probably not as efficient as a top would be. You'll probably end up sinking more mana into a top if you're continuously using it than you would for this. And it would only take you down three as well. But at least, and you know, since it's cost five, you have to kind of, you know, build your mana up to be able to get to it. But once once you've got it, it can be able to help you go through your deck a lot easier depending on what your deck is aiming to do.
0: All right then. So did anyone have any other, you know, tech pieces that they wanted to share before we close this up?
4: Yeah, I wanted to talk about a colorless set that you could do. It's uh, kind of a replacement for top in that it's a way you can build your deck that will give you a similar effect, which is the uh, the Salvaging Station value engine you can use, where you use kind of the, the crappy eggs with Salvaging Station, and then as things die, you get more and more value, but at least each turn you're going to draw an extra card. So uh, it, may, it lets you play things like Chromatic Star, Chromatic Sphere, and then any of the spell bombs are good. Obviously, the... Um, The Black Spellbomb Nile is the best, and then Executioner's Capsule is fantastic. If you have it available, you're not going to draw from it. But engines like that, where you have two cards that go together, or a set of cards that go together to produce card draw and additional card draw each turn, are a valid reason to not have a top in there, because it doesn't work as well along with them. Uh, Same thing if you had like a Sun Titan Yavamaya Elder, or any other uh, small creatures that were bringing card draw with them every time they died or came into the battlefield
0: right then and i think that will do it all right guys let's we've had some fun today but now it's time for us to take this to the out
3: out.
0: gp's gonna be up in like a week yeah i've got i've got g columbus next week Ah.
2: GP
0: Columbus. I I think Clues is going to
2: be there. If he is, say hi for me.
0: I will say hi. In fact, I will finally be able to get a picture of that gobble bugger.
1: If you do see Clues, tell him I said rabble rabble.
0: Oh, I need to go find some Clues. Alright. All right. This has been Guest episode 250. I want to go ahead and thank everyone for showing up today. Special thanks to our guest, Mr. Sean. Hi, uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, and Calvin and Clay, thank you for being here as well. No problem. All right, then. So let's go ahead and get some contact information out of the way, because if you've looked at the show notes then you've seen Sean's sweet altars. So, Sean, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that?
4: Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Swords to Plow or they can email me at swords to plow at gmail.com, or if for whatever reason you can't get a hold of me either way, uh, you know what, you can just show up in person at either the Mox Cafe or the Mox Boarding House, and there's a pretty good chance that I will be down there in about a month, uh, any day of the week. It's going to be where I'll be living,
2: uh, during and after work.
0: Alright, Clay, if people want to reach you, how can they do that? Uh,
2: people can find me on the Twitter and the Reddit and the Gmail as EDH Um uh, Hopefully within the next month or so, I'll be starting to stream again. It's basically just a matter of time until we can get the shit internet here upgraded to a point where I can actually stream.
3: Alright,
0: if you want to get in touch with me personally, I am w- uh, e hernandez at gmail.com because hit me up on the toys. I'm Blue man 1409 Calvin, if people want to reach you, how can they do that?
1: Well, if people want to reach out and contact me, it's very simple to do. All you got to do is go over to Twitter at CaptainRedZone or you can hit me up on the email gmail at captainredzone at gmail.com. But don't forget that here Commander Cast, we can also be reached out and contacted. Same way over on Twitter at CommanderCast or an email in d at CommanderCast at dot Or if you want to reach out, you can hit us up on our Facebook page. CommanderCast has a Facebook page. We also have CommanderCast.com. If you're not catching a trend right now, then maybe you might want to reiterate and listen back to what we've been talking about. So if you go over to Reddit, CommanderCast over there, if you listen to us through iTunes, we're available through the MTGCast feed on iTunes. And if you want to listen to us on Stitcher, we're also available there as well. And if you go over on YouTube, you can hit us up over there. So if you're an Android user, Stitcher, iTunes, or an Apple user, hit us up over there. And if you happen to hit us up in the iTunes thing, you can give us a five-star review. And if you give us a five-star review, we will have William read your five-star review off on the show. So this way, people will know that you like us. Because quite frankly, we take any little bits of phrases that we possibly receive. Now, let's see, any other ways to be able to reach out and grab a hold of the CommanderCast team that I can think of other than those? No? Hmm, no, not really, but there is something else you could potentially do and let's go over to Patreon.com and look up CommanderCast and you can give us a tip. And just a tip, ladies and gentlemen, a single dollar into the tip jar will help us here at CommanderCast keep the lights on, keep the show running, and bring you content. And if a little extra happens to slip in, we will not complain because they have a tear for that called a little bit extra which is the $2 tier. Now, above that is $3 tier. If you want to join in to the com- conversation, you want to donate and be able to get your opinions thing sent out there, you want us to talk about your stuff, you want us to do, uh, uh, uh I don't know, you want two legends of your favorite type fighting against each other. You want to hear a talk about it? Go right ahead. Throw it in there. You have a particular topic for a community you want to talk about? Go ahead. Throw it in there. Hey, is there a piece of secret tech that you don't want anyone to know unless you're listening to CommanderCast.com? We can do that for you. Just slide it right on over there and hit us up. Now, William, do we have any five-star reviews this week?
0: No, we don't, and that makes me sad. I am a sad panda.
1: You are not a sad panda. Clay is the panda. You just lose now. Well, well, is he that sad? That kind of Clay. Sad?
0: Does that make Clay sad? <laughs>
1: is, are you sad, it. Clay? That's a good question. Yeah, that's, that's a valid question.
0: Look how sad he is.
1: How can you tell?
0: A woman how knows. How can you
1: tell? Thinks. He has them little black circles around his eyes. I can't even tell if he's like emoting or not half the time.
0: Trust me, he's sad. He's feeling very sad
1: now. Okay, well, listeners, if you want to make our panda happy and you want to tell William about how much he loses, feel free to go right over to iTunes, hit us up with a 5-star review, and you can force William to say hashtag WilliamLoses on the show because he has to read it because he's a loser, and he has to read it because it's a part of his thing. He's well, done this. Now remember, we also have the Abbotten build that William is working on over on CommanderCast.com. We're not just the only show here. We've got plenty of other content that you listeners can be able to go out and consume. Now, if you don't want to hear the rest of this, or you've heard this, and you feel you still need more Commander content, we have Coast to Coast Commander coming up on the island website, which is also available on Stitcher. And we also have the stack, and we also have Rivals Duel. Plus, we still have articles coming up on the site. So. If you happen to have an article you feel like you want to donate, you have something you want to say, go ahead, hit us up in an email. We'll give it a quick review and upon, you know, further evaluation, if deemed useful, we shall use it and we will give you complete and total credit for it. Now, let's see. Uh, we've already talked about the way to contact us. We've already talked about all the various ways you can listen to us. And we've also talked about how people can give us money. So that seems to be a wrap up for the remainder of the show. So the music for our show this week, as each and every week, is Heavy Metal Series by 331 E rock Check them out william this is the point where you're supposed to jump in and say you love everybody here on the site and you're not going to do it so you know what i don't care i'm going to continue anyway to all of our commander cast contributors we deeply appreciate each and every single one of you we love all of the hard work you've used to contribute to the site so to the community to the strategy and to the technology we are done for the week so we will see you next week with more community strategy and technology but until then we will not be getting anything because william's not going to say it so i'm just going to say see you now
0: I have to keep floundering around i see how long you go and you just take over the whole thing
1: that's kind of what you're supposed to do isn't it i mean you know seeing as like you're the host but you know hey you don't want to be the host that's perfectly fine
0: we'll see you hey, next week
1: everyone to another edition of commander cats episode Mutiny! <laughs> Mutiny! I, <that's> your host.
0: <laughs> all right everyone that's a wrap sean thanks for being up thanks for being on tonight yeah of course Whew.
4: all right take care
0: all right get out sean right,
4: go get some food <laughs> stop trying to eat, put some meat in his mouth.
0: And mm. I need to eat too because spicy. being poor makes you a hungry, hungry person.
1: Or are you a hungry, hungry hippo?
0: No, no, Clay's got the hippo taken care of. Uh, <laughs> Trust me, if I was a hippo, I wouldn't have no hunger pains. You know what can stop oh, a hippo? Yeah. Nothing. Those, those fuckers are fierce. Hippos actually kill people. So,
1: is Sean gone?
2: Sean is gone. Looks like it.
1: Is Clay still here?
2: Um, I'm probably about to head out because I have a binge watch that I need to resume.
1: What are you about to binge watch,
2: Clay? Um, two days ago, I decided to resume my watching of One Piece. I I like One Piece. I like One Piece. Um, I'm currently on episode 375, which tells you how much I watched it about two years ago when I started this (laughs) rewatching.
3: Um,
2: so yeah, I think I'm going to go get back to it now that a lot more of it is dubbed.
3: Um, oh,
1: because it's it means so, I can like, multitask. So what part of it, how far is it dubbed up to?
2: Um, It's dubbed up to about 470, I think. Um, And when I was watching it the first time, it was only dubbed to about, like, 250. That, seems about right.
0: that reminds me, so. I, I need to get back to watching Fairy Tale.
1: <laughs> Alright, Clay, well, we'll catch you next week, sir. Yeah.
2: It was good to be back.
1: It's good to have you back. And at least now I don't have to, like, keep dragging William through the mud, talking about <laughs> how much Loser I have someone else to call him a loser
2: for. Him.
3: Why are you said so he mean? Was a loser.
2: <laughs> I never said that William is a loser, and now Calvin's gonna crop that so that it sounds like I said that William is a loser.
1: I don't have to crop it because he just said William is a loser.
2: Baby, want a bottle? Big dirt bottle? <laughs> Why are uh, you yelling
0: at me? Because you're a loser!
1: So, we're in, so since Clay's about to go, I'm going to end up saying something to you, so this way it can still be on the recording.
2: You I know, this way we, we have... I, I want if, if it's something short, I want to hear what it is.
1: Uh, basically, I was going to tell him about the update for Yandere Simulator.
0: Oh, that's right. Someone Yandere actually Someone actually linked us to a video describing what Yandere's are.
2: Yes. Ah. Have, have you seen um, Moemon? Moemon.
0: Moemon. Is Moemon. That the, is that the fucking thing that's like, the,
2: it's girls in Pokemon costumes? Um, Sort of. It is a ROM hack. There's one of Fire Red and one of Emerald that all of the monsters are replaced with little anime girls.
0: Okay, hold on. Let's take a, let's check out some in- images here. And oh boy!
1: So yeah. on the latest update for Yandere Simulator, will they have it? So now you can actually befriend uh, one of your rivals. The end result is, like, your rival has a particular task, and if you do it, they'll become friendly to you. And if you talk to them, you can find out things that's going on with them, and if you can help them correct those life issues, the end result would be that you can then convince them to stop having a crush on your senpai, or at the very least, convince them to trust you enough to get them into a secluded area so you can um, take care of them in another way.
0: Uh Uh-huh. I mean, huh. That's violent
1: well not necessarily violent i mean when uh the update currently has it where there's a character on the game called kokona and if you stalk basically if you like eavesdrop on her conversations you'll find out that she's getting involved in compensated dating and that her father kind of has this thing where he comes into her room that she doesn't want to talk about
2: so she's a hoe yeah
1: basically or at least that's kind of how it's like portrayed when you listen to it but once you befriend her and you talk with her, you find out that, you know, it sounds like domestic abuse and she's whoring out and all this other stuff. But once you find out, like once you become a friend and talk to her about it, the end result of the story is, is that her mom had died a year ago and her dad doesn't abuse her. He just gets drunk and cries because he has all this extra debt that he has to pay for. And he's uh, currently has a loan out from a loan shark agency. And because of it, it's con- she's constantly trying to find ways to help him get money to pay for his debts. But if you can then help her, if you can then help, basically then if you can figure out a way to get her father out of debt, she no longer has to deal with the compensated dating. And her father becomes happy, and then she's willing to listen to you tell her that you have a crush on Senpai, and you don't want her dealing with him, and she will leave him alone. Or at the very least, she'll become trusting enough of you to want to come to your house, where you can then either kidnap and or kill her, depending on
3: oh my how God. the scenario
0: I like the first one better. The kidnap? No, no, not that or the part. Girl.
1: <laughs> he likes the kidnap part better. Do all this nice stuff just to trick someone to come into your house, as opposed to just, like, trinking that ass with a sedative and then just kidnapping her. Oh, my
0: God. Welcome to the Power of the Nature Show. I mean, at least we got to see the new trailer for the new Pokemon game coming out this, this year.
2: True. Can't wait.
0: Rotom Pokedex. Have you
2: seen, have you seen all of the uh, Professor Kukui fan art?
0: I have not, although I can certainly imagine what's out there, given what was out there about Sycamore.
2: Um, I'll, I'll just uh, link you to this Kotaku article. Oh, boy. Kotaku. <laughs> that someone has already written. Um, Also, the amount of whitewashing in this fan art
3: is insane.
0: Well... Like,
3: actually insane.
0: I, I that's, that's actually shocking to me a little bit. I just wanted to be, oh my god, really? He did it. He actually did it. <laughs> I just, just want a Pokedex with a Rotom in it and have it be my, my little Pokedex fairy and it'll be
2: cute and then... Hopefully it won't be as, as annoying as Navi. Uh,
1: I actually kind of want Navi back now,
2: though. Also, I'm going if... to have a hard time call- not calling him Professor Kikui because of I... Skyward Sword.
0: I'm already calling him Professor Kiwi.
2: That also works.
0: Oh, boy. Yep. That's if you go down sert-
2: far enough, you will see the uh, the y ones.
0: That is a shirtless Pokemon professor. <laughs> From Nova at Malik Ishtar, Professor Kukui made me gay. All right then.
2: I mean.
1: I'm pretty sure he didn't make you gay. Oh. You, like I'm pretty sure the
2: gayness was already in you. At you Electivirus, cuck me Cuckoo. Yeah.
0: I mean, he has a ring on his finger. He has a ring on his finger. He has taken
2: petition to put Professor Kukui in Pokemon
0: ami.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I
0: need a coldest. Oh dear. Uh, uh, cold- uh, okay, so nice talking to you guys. Uh, talk to you next week.
1: <laughs> Williams got something to go fap to
4: now. It was funny as I forgot to put the link in there. Uh, the reason why this whole project started was because I was looking for a job in Washington and needed to save money. Yeah.
0: Uh, hey, mm-hmm. see? For, for exactly. moving. Just like yeah. I said. And I've got the link to the article right here, so I'm going to go ahead and put that in. Sean's latest article. Look it. In. There we go. And then I've got, like, example pictures of your altar and your sculpture painting in, in the show notes, if you are okay with that.
4: Uh, sure. What do you have for the...
0: I got. I went and grabbed the, uh, the mission... Mishra- uh, proxy or altar yeah the, mm-hmm. the Mishra altar and then uh, the oh, uh, a
2: possibility storm Mishra that's hilarious
4: and then yeah uh, it's because that's how he plays that deck so it's all his favorite yeah. cards above his head yeah I can't remember what this monster's called
0: but it's the one-eyed floating head thing. oh the beholder yeah, yeah. yeah that'll
4: work <clears throat>
0: yep they're pretty fantastic pieces <clears throat> So then, actually, let me see if I can find the original chip. I think I
4: actually, what could help for that is I have a link to my portfolio for that stuff. Just a second. Doo, doo, doo. Uh, of course, I on my wife's computer, so it's under her name. But, yeah, I do, I keep this, I try to keep this thing up to date since people ask about it every so often.
0: Let's see, do. I was trying to see if I can find the original talkies that we were going back on, and I'm not sure we'll find it. It's, probably not it's nowhere at the same time. So then, I've completely forgotten the original context of me making fun of this and you making your comments, so...
4: It's on Facebook.
0: It was on Facebook, and I was just looking for it, but I can't find it.
4: Hmm. I might... I uh, don't know. I definitely won't be able to find it now. After I announced moving, everything got completely obliterated. I've got too many alerts on there.
0: Yeah. Oh, well. Let's see. I've got rewatching Gurren Login. got Memory.
4: Antonio Stockel. Yeah,
0: it's just... And I was probably... on like a group Oh, well. It's lost the time. but but I will go ahead and this portfolio in. And if anything, this will help remind people that you are here and that you are apparently doing all $20 each. (laughs)
4: Uh, That that is something I'm doing.
0: Price is good. Alright.
2: So I guess my question is, is it really 2 out of 3 or is it 3 out of 4 because Clues is an L2. Mm. (laughs) Well,
0: hold on. (laughs) Again,
2: hopefully by the end of the summer I will be 2, so then it will be Three out
0: of five. Honestly, if I did events more regularly, I would be an L two now that they've redefined everything. Still so have to test, all yeah. that testing. Oh shit! Okay. But I'm way too tied down to like a single store, so there we go. Although it would be interesting if Clues was actually two goblins stacked
2: on top of each other. <laughs> one gets the I would not be surprised. So, though Clues did not get the S C G goblin token. Aww.
0: Although...
3: Jeff Darren got that one. Oh.